This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And Martinez sending it through. Kimmich teeing himself up and finding the bottom corner. Kimmich kept his eye on it. And Bayern's lead is restored. Champions League match day two Tuesday recap. A lot of action. Real Madrid salvage a point. Atletico Madrid earn three points. Man City and Liverpool get those victories and plenty more to talk about, including Joseph Bartomeu's resigning from Barcelona as president. We have James Bench and Jimmy Conrad. And stay right here. It's Champions League Tuesday recap time. We have James Bench from the UK. We have Jimmy Conrad from the LA. Uh, and we're going to break it all down to you. James Bench, how are you, buddy? I'm great. This has been a stupid, crazy night before we've even kicked a ball. Uh, my brain is, is completely fried. <laughs> it is fried. Jimmy, how are you? Is it fried as well? Are you ready, baby? Yeah, maybe just due to tiredness. I don't know what drugs Benj is on, but uh, if you want to share them with me and Luis, let's let's. Uh, it's been a crazy day, so I feel like we all need a little something to relax. So much action, so much to talk about. But first, before we break everything down, uh, some big news: Joseph Bartomeu, Barcelona's president, announces. Uh, his resignation uh, after an emergency vote of no confidence was given. Uh, his Obviously, his team as well leave the club. He gave a big presser, you know, a, a lot of pointers. He, he, he gave a sort of proverbial negative mic drop here by saying that Barcelona, before he left, one of his last moves was agreeing to for Barcelona to be part of this uh, Super League, this Europe Super League. Uh, but obviously, still many steps for that to happen. And obviously... Uh, Barcelona members, you know, season ticket holders have to agree to it. So, so much to talk about. Bartomeu leaves. Is this a messy win, Benj? It's an almighty messy win. Um, you know, going back to the summer, Messi was very clear that, that his unhappiness really lay with Bartomeu and his, his management of the club. And as much as it is great news for a lot of Barcelona fans and for players like Messi, this doesn't change the fact that there have been five, six years of the bet, the prime years of the best player in our generation, maybe the best player ever. And he's had that wasted by mismanagement. This was always a matter of when rather than if, and it seems pretty clear that Bartomeu has fallen on his sword rather than, you know, having it stuck into him by, uh, by the members of Barcelona. So it's a it's a clear win, and um, you you just can't take on Messi because all the more game by game, it's clear that the Barcelona don't really exist without this guy. Even in the Clasico, uh, when he didn't score, he was their best player. He had the game's best moment. He's the one you you build around, and you can't beat him. He's a, a legend at Barcelona, and Bartomeu is going to be remembered, I think, pretty unfavorably to say the least. 
Yeah, Jimmy, I mean, listen, Bartomeu's obviously uh, shooting himself in the foot many times, but we can't forget that he has brought a lot of trophies to to the club. I mean, it's not it's not all been doom and gloom, but obviously the latter parts of all this, especially the messy fiasco, et cetera, has been a problem. How do you see it? How do you see Bartomeu's exit resignation from Barcelona? I would say... First and foremost, this is a great way to respond from losing to El Clasico. If you're a Barcelona fan, you're like, finally, this guy's out, you know? And I think that's part of the job. If things aren't going well when you're in charge, you have to take responsibility. And I think what really frustrated people was that he seemed to deflect, that he maybe wasn't taking on responsibility, that he, he was saying he was doing enough, and then he'd be lying a lot to kind of uh, save, uh, save some face in a lot of different ways. And, I mean, you have a guy, as Ben says, and Messi, who is – in my opinion, the best player to ever live. And he wants to live, leave the club where he's been his whole life and where he wants to stay. I mean, for it to get to that point, the guy has to go. I mean, you can't let that type of a relationship dissolve to that, to that point. So yeah, I think it's a good thing for the club. Maybe it's too little too late as Benj also suggested that, that now Messi has already made his decision to leave. It doesn't matter who comes in, but I'm wondering now if that's enough to keep him to stay or at least to potentially convince him. They've got some younger players that are exciting, that the future looks bright, in, in particular on Sufati. But is that enough? I mean, their back line's a bit of a shambles. Some of their other players are getting older too, and it still might be a transition year. Do we want to see the last years of, of Messi at Barcelona, you know, trying to like bring this team along as they're in transition? Or do we want to see him go to Manchester City and like get a breath of fresh air and, and try something new under a manager that he's very familiar with and a system that he's very familiar with? Yeah, James, I'm wondering, you know, to Jimmy's point, you know, maybe this, I think the key here is, do we bring Xavi in now? Do we do everything that we can to bring him as part of the future? Because I feel that the only way that Lionel Messi stays is if a non-suit sort of arrives as part of this new board, right? And it's somebody like Xavi, somebody that obviously Messi respects, uh, part of uh, the culture of Barcelona, both as a player and as an individual institution. Do you think that anything can be done to save it? Or do you think it's just now, you know, there's a secret WhatsApp messaging group between Messi, Guardiola and some others saying, now nah, you're coming to City no matter what? Oh, it's a hard one. And um, obviously in the end, Messi opted to stay, uh, you know, a few months ago. And it's clearly better for his, their chances of keeping him that Bartomeu's gone. But equally, you kind of look at, uh, where Barcelona were and the arguments for thinking about life after Messi and they don't become any less convincing and any less worth considering as Messi gets older look he takes up a huge amount of money on the on the wage books he is he's still a fantastic player and he's probably still going to be a fantastic player for two three four years but you have to start thinking about what life is going to be like when he's not the best player in the world. And right now, you know, Barcelona have been making Benj, so how, how dare you say something like that? Are you, you're insulting 60. Messi lovers all over the world by even mere suggestion of I Messi know. not being the best player at any point in our lifetime. They're going to drop a lot of audiences. <laughs> <laughs> We're losing subscribers because of you, Bench. We've lost the Argentine audience forever. They're never going to forgive me. Having said that, you know, maybe it's when he's 50, maybe it's when he's 70, he won't be the best player in the world. Who knows? So many of Barcelona's moves have been about let's surround him with talent in his prime years. You know, it's you see this in but eventually you have to start thinking about the Ansu Fatis and the Pedris and and how do we get the most out of them? And does that 
does that you know make it harder for Messi to win now? It's I, I feel like Kuman's tr- got got this really tough position of trying to thread thread the needle and be the first manager that's preparing Barcelona for a post Messi Barcelona. And I think it's kind of a task that he, as a manager, is going to find really difficult, whoever is supporting him. Um, and I don't know whether Xavi would come in as a sporting director, as president, whatever. They've all still got to answer that question of what happens when Messi when Messi has passed his peak. Yep, absolutely. Plenty of questions still for Barcelona, but one that is already answered is that Jose Bartomeu is resigning and a new leadership uh, of uh, the club, the Catalan club, will continue. After this, we will hit you with all the recaps, all the action, a lot of goals, a lot of drama coming right now. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with James Bench and Jimmy Conrad. We have a lot to talk about. I know. I know you want to talk about the big games. You want to talk about your group and your team, but we're going to do this chronologically, okay? And we'll try and run you through it. Jimmy, let's begin with you. Shakhtar Donetsk, after beating Real Madrid at Real Madrid, gets a point against Inter Milan. It was a dreary kind of performance from both sides, but to be honest with you, Shakhtar Donetsk will probably have no issue with this point. Quite, Quite a great result, I would say, for Shakhtar, no? Yeah, they looked uh, super pumped, as I was going to say, after the match. I think they did what they set out to do. Uh, What I really liked was that the manager stuck with the same lineup that got the result against Real Madrid. We do see a tendency where managers go, well, I have a couple guys, they're healthy again. But he didn't break up the flow. He stayed with the same group, and I thought they responded accordingly. It was a good performance from them. Now, on the other side of things, just quickly about Inter Milan, The more I watch them, the more frantic I think their attack is. There's nobody on the field that knows how to slow the game down. And it's almost like when the game does slow down, because there was many times where Shakhtar was putting so like 10 guys back behind the ball. They like uncomfortable. They're just so eager to go forward. Like, I want to play forward. And there's nobody, they they don't have anybody in their squad that I think can put their foot on the ball and say, hey guys, just chill out. It's going to open up. Just relax. I know they're not set up that way. I know Antonio Conte probably doesn't feel good about that either, but, but, that's what I think they're missing. Sure, you can have a lot of experience out there. Ashley Young, Arturo Vidal, Kolarov, whoever else you want out there. They're probably just about my age. But but they still lack that one person. I'm a big fan of Barella in the midfield. I think he's fantastic. Romelu Lukaku looked pretty frustrated today. Lataro all of a sudden can't score to save his life. I mean, so obviously, you know, you look at this team last season, they probably would have buried a few of their chances this time around. They're struggling to find the back of the net consistently. But I still feel like they missed that. That number 10, that Papu Gomez or, or Ever Benega, or I know these guys are a dime a dozen. I'll look at Jimmy's trying to claim all these, these guys don't exist anymore. That's fair, and I'm sure we could argue that. However, I feel like that's that one piece. Maybe Christian Eriksen was the guy they brought in to make that happen, and he hasn't really clicked, and I don't think he's going to at this point. But that's what I think, they're, that, that one piece where I think they could really push on and go deep in this competition and also challenge for the Scudetto. Yeah, James, that's what I was thinking. Christian Eriksen. I mean, obviously, we're always going to be a little bit of um, a jury uh, not out yet with Conte because even though when it's good, it's great. And when it's not, it's this. And it's weird because they have all the pieces. Uh, I mean, full credit to Donetsk, obviously, but... What's going on here? I mean, they, they managed to escape uh, against Gladbach with a point, and now they get another point. Conte was so angry, but I feel that the blame goes on him. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken before about Conte's weird record in this this competition, and 
I can't quite, I, I can't quite understand it. I don't know if he's just got a team that's better suited for for league seasons and a philosophy that's that's better suited for that. Ericsson, he's just not a Conte player. Obviously, by, by all accounts, in January he wasn't really someone that that Conte was pushing for. It was a great deal that they could do getting a player like that for twenty million euros. No matter how much time he's got left on his contract, if you can do that deal, you do that deal. And they could probably sell him on now, maybe even at a profit. But, you know, what we see with Conte is his system doesn't really suit a number 10. He's played a 3-5-2 uh, here at Chelsea. It, it sort of oscillated between a 3-4-3 and that 3-4-3 and, that three, four, uh, three, four, three and a 3-5-2 with, with one withdrawn forward. But there's never really been... Um, that player that does get on the ball and makes things tick, you know, Conte teams are great at counter-attacking, great at moving through the gears and overwhelming you on the flanks. But if you can hold firm there, and that's what Shakhtar did so well, if you can force them to just lob crosses into the box, then you've got a good chance. And I thought Inter had their moments and I still like, the, like them coming out of this group, particularly with all the chaos that's going on around them. But... I just I can't quite put my finger on what's not clicking there, but it's certainly something with this competition, with Conte, with the system. It's not quite right. Yeah, and you know they've played Donetsk, they played Gladbach, uh, and then Real Madrid. You just don't really know where the wins are going to come from. But who knows? Who knows that the, I, all I know is this: when Conte plays a possession-based opposition, it becomes so much harder for him and his team to try and get it. The other team. The other game, the early fixture, Jimmy, Bayern Munich against Lokomotiv Moscow. No Alfonso Davis for six to eight weeks, but obviously, you know, they're so deep. Hernandez is there. Uh, even Alaba, who actually was there today, uh, played well. Uh, Lokomotiv Moscow did give them a bit of a headache. They weren't exactly great, but uh, Bayern with a win uh, away from home in a, a kind of worryingly almost packed stadium as well, right? Like, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there's a lot of questions about that, but I'll, I'll focus on the field for the moment. I was a little bit disappointed for a lot of reasons. I told everybody to bet on Robert Lewandowski scoring a header. Uh, they whipped in a lot of crosses like I thought they were going to. Uh, Locomotive set up in a 4-3-2-1 formation, so it was very Christmas tree-esque. And um, uh, unfortunately, I got the wrong guy that got the header. It was Leon Goretzka that got it instead. I mean, but but what's it called? Uh, Lewandowski did have two headers. One of them hit off his shoulder. He should have scored is what I'm saying. I'm a little bitter about that. Now, I will say that where I thought locomotive had a lot of success is where they changed the point of attack quite quickly. When they switched the fields is where they got a lot of options. And then secondly, they, the, because Bayern plays such a high line, it opened up so much opportunity that I was like, what is, what is Bayern doing? I don't understand what they're doing. It's one zero, just lock it down. You got better players Just keep the ball, move together up as a group, but don't necessarily expose yourself by holding the high line. And they, yet they continue to do that, which led to the, the one, one scoreline. Obviously they, 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 I was, well, I'm just going to say it pissed away a lot of opportunities. Uh, Brad's going to get mad at me for using that, but doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. They pissed away a lot of opportunities. You know, a lot of players had a lot of good looks and they probably should have won by a bigger scoreline, but still, I think there's some frailty there that teams can expose moving forward. And if I'm a Bayern fan or if I'm Hansi Flick, the manager, it's something that I would be looking at. Yeah, well, and James also, you know, I guess when you look at also the Bundesliga, they're not at the top right now. I mean, it's early, it's early, but you know, uh, as Jimmy said, there's vulnerabilities there, but I guess it's better to make the mistakes now as opposed to when you get out, right? What, what do you make of it? I mean, a win's a win, I guess, and that's two for two. Yeah, I wouldn't be remotely worried, to be honest. I'm like, Jimmy, I just, 
go, ah, I'm just buying, they'll be fine. You know, this is a sort of game, I, kind of, to be honest, I didn't even really bother paying much attention because you just know that. <laughs> well, thanks you know, for coming, James. <laughs> yeah, I know, pleasure to be here. To be, I, I picked all the exciting ones, like Liverpool against Michelin. Um, it just, you just kind of know that they, they'll get the job done at this stage of the season. I think it's pretty clear they're conserving energy. And it's been, it was so, you know, they, they went till the last day of last season and they were back in action so quickly. Um, we'll see a much better Bayern, I'm sure, in, in the weeks and months to come. I think for these games, it's about being good enough. It's about staying in touch at the top because I think they know there's no real competition. And this is a season for them that's really ending and it gets started when the, the last 16 kicks off. So my top tip, don't watch any Bayern Munich at all until next year <laughs> until we reach the important times right yeah well that's three points for Bayern Munich all right we promised you action we promised you goals my goodness what an evening of Champions League Jimmy Real Madrid Gladbach what a game Marcus Turam with a brace Karim Benzema uh, gets it to 2-1 and then Sergio Ramos assist uh, to make it 2-0 for Casemiro in the latter stages. Stoppage time, I believe. Amazing. 2-0. What do you make of it? Talk to me, betting tips, etc. Is this? I mean, Sidan still in trouble, do you think? It's another point. Or it's just one point? Uh, no, I, I think he should be questioned in some capacity, right? The guy has won, I don't know how many Champions League trophies as a player and manager combined. So if he wants some rope, he, he deserves some rope. However, I will say, that even though I thought Lucas Vasquez played well, against uh, Barcelona in El Clasico at right back when he filled in for when Nacho got hurt. I thought they really tried to focus on him. And I thought Taram was hanging around him a lot. And I think they were trying to hit crosses of the back post to focus on him a lot. Maybe his positioning could have been a little bit better for that first goal, even though that first goal from Borussia Mönchengladbach was ridiculous. And I can't uh, give enough credit to the player that played the pass. Once again, he hit an absolute peach of a pass Please. against Inter Milan, Alassane Playa. Uh, he is a player, by the way, and his <laughs> his pass was fantastic to Toronto. Could hit it first time. That was their first shot on goal, by the way, and it was a great one. Madrid, I don't know. It's just I don't know which version of them are going to show up. I still feel like they're a bit stifled uh, in terms of like building a consistent attack. Where is it going to come from? Vinicius hasn't really kicked on to be the player that I think we can all see, but to do it consistently, Benzema wasn't going to put the team on his back every single game like he did last season. It was just going to be a little bit harder, I think, this time around. Ed Nazard. I don't know when he's going to show up and be healthy and be really be the guy that we know he can be. And then obviously the guys in the middle of the park are a little bit older too. I'm talking about Modric and Cruz. It's nice to see Casemiro score. I'm a big Fede Valverde fan. This is an interesting Madrid team. I think in some ways they're going through maybe not the same type of identity crisis as Barcelona, but there feels to be some similarity as they, they, they kind of transition from their older guys to this new generation. And this new generation might not be ready yet to take on that responsibility. So this isn't a great result for them. I thought they were going to come in and win 2-1. I mean, it's great because they were down 2-0 and fought back to make it 2-2. But overall, they never should have been in that position in the first place. These are the types of games that I think champions of this competition win, and they're not doing it right now. And I wonder. I still think they're going to get out of their group, but now there's a little bit of doubt in my mind as to whether they can actually do it. Get out of this group. Bench, they're last in Group B. One point. Goal difference of one under, minus one. They haven't won a game. Yes, well done on coming back to make it 2-0. But you're Real Madrid. You're the 13th yeah. time Champions League champion. I mean, we love Gladbach, but come on. What's happening? <laughs> I think it's, it's really interesting how quickly these auras can fade because everyone 
tonight was talking about, oh, actually, Real Madrid are here to be got at. That defence looks... You know, it's, I mean, sh shameless self-promotion here, but I was speaking to Jesus Vallejo, who's on loan from Real Madrid at Granada, and he was just talking about how hard it is being a defender at Real Madrid because you are playing so far from your own goal. Every mistake... There's, there's, there's no way of getting back in time. You know, you're turning around as Marcus Turam and Alessand Player are bursting through on goal. It's, it's so such high stakes that you can, cannot afford to have anything less than the absolute best. And I really like Ferland Mendy, but is he the absolute best left back in the world? Which is what, you know, Real Madrid had when they were winning these competitions with Marcelo. Well, Probably. the second goal was his mistake, right? He yeah, was watching the action instead of coming back. So that's another answer for you, right? I mean, every every player is going to make mistakes, but you know, it's an amateurish mistake. You yeah, don't just exactly. watch it come back. You know that they're going to come back in. The ball is still in the box. You're trying to make sure that you get them offside at the very least, and he's just watching. That's terrible. That's not good it, enough. You the, the need for constant focus when you're playing for these top teams. It's huge, and these are these are such basic errors, and you can't rely on stupid narrative and Sergio Ramos being Sergio Ramos to to bail you out of this hole because right now you need to go and win these games you, you've got an Inter Milan team that you know going back to what we were talking about earlier I think they will be better against Real Madrid because they can hit them on the counter-attack they can hit them with whip they can probe these weak positions around Mendy around Vasquez or Nacho whoever whoever's starting at right back <laughs> something's got to, something's got to, they've got to fix something really quickly and I don't know how a manager like Zidane gets on the training field and instills this discipline in Mendy. Um, maybe Marcelo needs to come back in, even though he's kind of gone off the boil a bit. It, it's a really hard one to read how you solve that defence because the problems have been there for years. If only yeah. you didn't get rid of your smarter left back and sent him to Tottenham. Jimmy Conrad has to go I, soon. So no, I, I, was just get, I was just going to say that Reguillon, you had Akimi as well, who went to Inter Milan. I mean, you had options. Yeah. You, you could have st stuck with those guys, but instead I think maybe held on to Marcelo a year or two longer than they should have. And now he's, for me, a huge defensive liability. And, and then on the, the right side, yeah, I mean, those other guys have been good Carvajal for, for many years, but at some point you're going to have to have some depth. So I, I agree with Benj. I, it's interesting times for Madrid with regard to what they do and, and the moves they make moving forward. But it, this seems to change week to week. Like last week I was kind of like, Oh man, I don't know about this Madrid team getting, getting smoked by Shakhtar to that C team. And then they beat Barcelona classic. I'm like, all right, maybe this Madrid team's got a little something to them. And then you see this performance. Like, I don't know what to make of this Madrid team. <laughs> what about if Spanish football teams are just kind of bad at the moment? Maybe. That's true. Maybe, but the performance against Barcelona was definitely better than the performance yeah. today. And But Sergio Ramos's inclusion was definitely better. But now Inter Milan, who needs a win, face Real Madrid, who desperately need a win. So it should be, at the very least, a very entertaining game for the neutral. Before Jimmy goes, because Jimmy has so many things to do, let's talk about Atalanta-Ajax. I said that it was going to be an entertaining game. You called it, my friend. Talk to us. We said it was going to, you said it was going to be 2-0, and it was. I called it. I, you guys, I don't know if I, maybe I said it on the pod, but I think this game just had 2-2 written all over it. And it was 2-2 and Ajax went up first. I was a little bit nervous because Atalanta had probably had the first uh, or the better of the first 10, 15 minutes. So I was like, mm, maybe Ajax is enough for it. They scored two goals and they took advantage of opportunities. They weren't the greatest of goals, but that's what you do when you score 13 on the weekend before. You just have this belief in maybe spots that you wouldn't have belief before. So I'm uh, really impressed with Ajax. They couldn't hold on. Atalanta, Duvan Zapata in particular, you put uh, Daily Blint, uh, you know, center back and Duvon Zapata. It, I, it's over. I think we, we all know who's going to win that matchup. And Zapata got the best of him twice. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I thought after watching the game, uh, draw was a fair result. That's what I predicted, and I'm feeling really good about myself, Luis. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, you should George Costanza it right now and leave on an absolute high. So Jimmy Conrad has to leave us for HQ. Jimmy, thank you so much, and he will be back tomorrow as we do more Que Golazo. Jimmy, my man, take care. Bye, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Welcome back, everybody, to Carry On With The Action, just myself and James Bench. James, I know you paid a lot of attention, unfortunately, apparently, to Liverpool against Michelin. Uh, obviously, Jurgen Klopp didn't use his full-on strong team. I think it was the first time ever where Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp didn't start Firmino, Salah, and Sané. Uh, but 2 nothing Liverpool. Fabinho got injured. Talk to us about this one. I mean, the big thing is Fabinho got injured because when you've got Virgil van Dijk out for the season and Fabinho goes down clutching his hamstring and this isn't one of these, you know, looks like a bit of a knock, let's to play it safe. He was off straight away. Young Reese Williams was on and was pretty good. But I mean, admittedly, this is a Michelin team that, that kind of came saying, let's try and hold on to a, a nil-nil draw and, and see what comes out of that. And for a while, it looked like they would. I mean, Minamino, Shakiri, uh, Origi, Jota, they're all talented players. The point is, what Liverpool have when they have that front three, that the Salah, uh, Salah Firmino Mane, is this just years and years of chemistry and knowing what they're doing, and it was completely lacking. It was it was nowhere to be seen. I mean, Amino has been really disappointing for me so far. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's not getting regular games, but I don't really know what he brings. Origi, he just always he's good for a goal, but. I mean, for me, this game was all about Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I could go on about this player for days. He is reinterpreting how we understand right-backs. He's a number 10 as much as he is a number two. Um, his work with Shakiri and the build-up, I think Shakiri will get a lot of the credit for the pass, and it was a brilliant pass, but I don't see right-backs really make that run that effectively as often as, as uh, Alexander-Arnold did. And you see right-backs make cutbacks, but not like that not that sort of shrewd run having been in midfield building the play up it's not really breaking news to say that Trent Alexander-Arnold is a phenomenal footballer but my god like and a game when Liverpool needed a little creative spark it came from their right back this guy's so good yeah no I mean you know yeah it's not a unique thought but it's worth a reminder we all know how much we love TAA uh, apologies to Liverpool fans I said Sané instead of Sadio Mane look it's been a long day all right I've only had one coffee but Liverpool win it and I think that with Jurgen Klopp's deep squad yes it was ugly it was a little bit boring but at least they got the three points and their main starters are a little bit fresh uh, for when they face West Ham and then Atalanta the following weak, uh, but Fabinho, Fabinho is a worry, so we'll have to see what happens there because they are running out of defenders quicker than you can say Liverpool. But Joel Matip, just quickly, Joel Matip completed, has completed 90 minutes once in the past year. There you that, go. That's your real worry. And actually, when he completed that 90 minutes against Everton, he then had to go to hospital. So it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, they, they, it's a big worry and it's not like we're even in November and they have to wait a long time before even they can maybe even do something in the transfer window. They're going to have to rely on their younger players, etc. But time will tell. Let's stay in the Premier League where Man City beat Marseille 3 nothing. Nothing much to see here. We both, James and I, thought that Marseille were probably going to give more of a fight. But Man City were, even without Sergio Aguero, Gabriel Jesus, you know, having Kevin De Bruyne back is always going to be a factor. Uh, nothing major to talk about here, right, James? So just a good win uh, for Man City? Yeah, just one of those 
drearily excellent wins that Man City always seem to pull out at the group stages. Um, Pep Guardiola was complaining about not or saying that his guys didn't buy him a striker. They didn't have enough money. Yeah, sure. Um, I think when you've got Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, guys like that, I think you can cope, you know. I think yeah, nobody's going to feel sorry for you, Pep. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> We um, already talked Atalanta Ajax, so uh, let's go to uh, another, you know, strong, solid win. Porto beats Olympiacos to nothing. Uh, so Olympiacos, that's uh, one win, one loss. Porto, the same thing. And we finish off with Atletico Madrid against RB Salzburg. Such an entertaining game. Atleti wins it uh, late. Joao Felix uh, delivers. He almost scored a ridiculous overhead kick as well. They hit the crossbar as well. But you got to give full credit to Jesse Marsh's side. Uh, so talented, but in the end, they couldn't get three points. Uh, and Atleti wins this one. How big is this for Simeone, James? It's huge, and it's huge for for Joao Felix. I think you know inevitably, you know, when you lose heavily to Bayern, there's a lot of talk about you know, your season as a whole, but actually Atleti and La Liga have been sort of effective and quite traditionally Atleti. This was not traditional Atleti, but that's the joy of having Joao Felix. And I think this was a game that, that for me was defined by those two wonderful young players, Felix in a in an Atletico shirt. And my God, that, that overhead kick is one you just wish had gone in. And then Dominic Shaboshlai for uh, RB Salzburg, uh, Red Bull Salzburg. This kid is something else. Um, you know, he's he's a player that a lot of the top teams in Europe have been tracking. I've, you know, kind of been aware of him for for years. I know you have too. The the composure and the ferocity with which he hit that goal that he scored. I mean, you've got to keep an eye on this guy. He's going to be making a big move somewhere soon. Arsenal have been looking at him for a long time. I know Napoli as well and Milan. He's something else. A really brilliant young creative midfielder who can finish and create. He was he was my standout and the goal of the night for sure. Yeah, he's tremendous. I've been talking about him for a while. There are three things that I want in life, James. One of them is for Peru to always make it to the World Cup. The other one is for Villa to make it to the top four and for Hungary to revive itself once again. And I feel like maybe the, the, the last one might be more realistic than the other two. But at least, you know, you never know with uh, Peru, but Villa, I don't know, top four? You never know. <laughs> Hey, man, you got Emmy Martinez. What Emmy, Emmy. People are going to stop listening now because we're talking about Villa. Listen, um, James Bench, thank you so much. What's the biggest talking point from today for you out of all the games that we've talked? Uh, obviously, Real Madrid coming back, Atleti doing well, uh, Inter Milan uh, still looking for that win. What's the biggest talking point for you? Uh, for me, it's a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to kind of throw it forward to next week and Inter Milan against Real Madrid. I think we thought this was going to be the game to decide top spot, or these two were going to be the games to decide top spot. As it is, man, this could be the game that decides which of these two gets through. And it's a proper winner-takes-all game now. I'm so excited. And Antonio Conte against Zinedine Zidane, um, you know, Lukaku and Lautaro against that defence. Yeah. I can't wait to see how Sergio Ramos manages to save Real Madrid. <laughs> Tasty indeed, James Bench. And you can read his Vallejo piece on CBS Sports right now. Uh, he will also be back on Cable Lasso later on. We'll talk uh, Europa as well as Arsenal continue their campaign. James, always good talking to you, my friend. 
Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure if you listen to this pod on cbsports.com, you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe, leave a rating and review. We will see you tomorrow with much more. Que golazo! See you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.